This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. So today we're speaking about gratitude and abundance. And those words get thrown around a lot. Um, I would like to set some perspective. And, and I did some research, and I'm going to start off clumsy and slow, which I normally do. But uh, through the Middle Ages and up into the 1900s, it was common for people to collect their urine. They would collect their urine, and they would sell it to the tanner, who would then tan leather. They called those people piss poor. (laughs) And at that time, most everybody was piss poor. There were those people who didn't have a pot to piss in, and they couldn't sell their urine to the tanner. Up until the 1940s, indoor plumbing was uncommon. People would take one bath a year usually in May. Uh, That bath consisted of the father, the uh, oldest male in the household, taking the first bath, and then all the other males, the sons, taking their baths, and then it would go to the mom, who would take her bath, and the daughters to take their baths, and then the last person to take a bath would be a baby, and by that time, the bath water was so dirty, you couldn't see the baby in it, and thus the expression, don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Hot and cold running water wasn't in most households until the 60s. When you take a shower tonight, think about that. Think about how beautiful that is to take a hot shower. There were emperors, pharaohs, potentates who couldn't take a shower when they wanted to. Genghis Khan and Julius Caesar could not take a shower when they wanted to. When you're in your shower singing, Beyonce, Mariah Carey, (laughs) ACDC, or Barely Manilow, stand in the glory of your hot shower and appreciate it. (laughs) It's an epic, epic thing. When the Industrial Revolution started, and it lasted roughly through the 1700s to the early 1900s, people worked 12 to 16 hours a day, six days a week. If they were late or took a break, they were docked. Women were paid half as much as men. Children were paid a quarter of what their parents made. And it took a whole family working 12 to 16 hours a day just to survive. Factories preferred children because they could pay them less and they could fit into small places. In coal mines, children had to work without light if their parents couldn't afford candles. They were beaten if they fell asleep or took breaks. Little girls were made to pull coal carts 12 to 16 hours a day, six days a week. And this often caused a deformation in their pelvis, which caused them to die at childbirth. These were common practices up until the 1920s. It wasn't because, or it was only because our forefathers and our foremothers rioted and protested bloody protests. And oftentimes the U.S. military was brought in to break up these protests to force them back to the work they were doing. This This happened all around the world. 
The point I'm trying to make here is let's step back and have a little bit of perspective. And also let's have compassion for what happened before to bring us to this time now. It's a known fact that all of the, those brutal, short lives our forefathers and foremothers lived have been passed down. Unknown trauma, sadness, dread. Throw in world wars, throw in famine, throw in disease. And this has been passed down into our subconscious minds, into our belief systems, into how we view ourselves and view the world around us. And science is now proving it's actually written into our DNA. So if we can have a little bit of compassion, not just for our forefathers and foremothers and the suffering that happened in the past, but for ourselves, because life is calling us forth now to heal this. I'm a poet. Um, I would like to recite a poem, or you could call it a spoken word piece. I heard this in a dream. And it's easier for me to close my eyes when I do this because it's like I go there and then come back here with words. Are you ready for this? There was a little boy and a little girl, and they were lost in a dungeon. And the dungeon was cold, and the dungeon was dark, and the dungeon was damp, and they had been in this dungeon for so long, it was all they knew. One day after coming out of a cramped passageway, they looked up and saw something. It was golden. It was shimmering. And it was as though they remembered it somewhere in the past, but they couldn't think of where. As they trepidly walked toward this light, they noticed that it lit up a staircase rising up off the dungeon floor. And they crawled cautiously up the staircase. And they saw that there was a door barely cracked open. And as they approached this door and they were about to put their fingers into this golden light coming out of this door, a voice rose up off the dungeon floor. And the voice said, little boy, little girl, whatever you do, don't go into the light. And the little boy looked at the light and looked down into the dungeon floor, and he says, why not go into the light? It's beautiful, it's warm, it's golden. And the voice says, most truly I say to you that if you go into the light, it will expose you for the naked, pathetic creature that you are. And the little boy looked at the light and down at the dungeon floor with a sense of anger. How could he be unworthy of something so beautiful? And the little girl just looked at the light and she grabbed his hand and pulled him up. And the only question is, what would you want them to do? What you want them to do, what you wish for them, you also wish for you. It is our innate desire to be happy. It is our innate desire to be loved and feel loved. But we live in a time and have a mind frame and a paradigm that almost punishes those who, who feel that and know that. That's why we love children so much, because they innocently know that. I know in my life, you know, I, I come from a, a long line of just hardcore honky-tonking alcoholics. You know, and I was taught to work till it hurts. 
I was taught to not sing, to not dance. We don't have to fulfill these paradigms. We don't have to live out these ideas. Um, There's a thought on gratitude. Gratitude has been a beautiful, beautiful thing in my life, and it was hard for me to start. The thing about a gratitude and abundance is we have to open our heart. In order to appreciate anything, we have to open our heart. And this is all an inside-out job. I would like to quote a great prophet, and this comes out of a book called Matthew. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. Another one's in Luke, and it says, The kingdom of God is within. This is all about our inner worlds and what we choose to believe. And granted, most of our beliefs we haven't even chosen. They've just been given to us by society, indoctrinated by our culture. But these are all choices. The beginning of any awakening is to quit looking out there for answers and start to look in here. To question our beliefs, look at our attitudes, listen to our internal conversations. How do we talk to ourselves in the privacy of our own minds? Do we have kindness for ourselves? Do we have compassion for ourselves? Can we pick ourselves up and cradle us? We're worthy of nothing less. We live in a brilliant, brilliant time in human history. Our forefathers and foremothers couldn't dream of this time. We walk around with handheld devices that hold all the written records of human history. We have the freedom to learn about any religion, any spiritual teaching that we could ever want. Our forefathers were held illiterate and in ignorance with heaped on shame through religion. We live in a time where we can literally change the way we see ourselves and the way we see the world. Gratitude is a thread that leads to abundance. Hang on, time out. Abundance doesn't happen from the outside in. It's been proven over and over again. Some of the most miserable people in the world have billions of dollars. People who win the lottery, they've done in-depth studies of that. People who are miserable and dysfunctional before winning the lottery are more miserable and more dysfunctional after winning the lottery. People who have won the lottery and are happy, they found out those people have given most of their money away. Gratitude and abundance are heart-opening paradigms. In order to appreciate anything, we first have to open our heart and, and give gratitude. I've made this a practice, okay? So I grew up pretty poor. They call it white trash, actually. Um, <laughs> When I first practiced this, I was getting sober, and I was in a negative, negative place. And I started to make a point of, I was grateful if my car started. I was grateful if I had clean sheets on my bed. I was grateful if I had a good meal. Practicing this gratitude changed the way I saw myself and the way I saw myself in relationship to the world. Now when I feel an anxiety wave spinning up within me, I immediately go to gratitude. I'll find anything to be grateful for. I'm grateful I have heat in my house. I'm grateful my kids are healthy. I'm grateful for the relationships in my life. And how that changed my life changed what I valued. I used to value finding things to get pissed off about. You know, I was so glad when something bad happened because that gave me an excuse for failure. I could blame it on someone else. 
Upon awakening, we have to own what we are. We're the creators of our reality. In some ways, that feels like a great responsibility. People will go to great lengths to give away that responsibility. But the truth is that puts us in an empowered place to change our lives. What I noticed with abundance was the more I appreciated the things around me, the more I appreciated the people and showed gratitude, the more they valued me. The more I valued the people around me and listened when they talked and helped out and gave when I could, the richer and deeper my relationships came. You know, standing here today, I'm not what you would consider a wealthy man. But when I look at my life, I, I'm ridiculously blessed with authentic, real friendships, with authentic, real loves. My children are beautiful. My partner's beautiful. I've made peace with my parents upon realizing they were just scared little kids who grew up and made babies along the way. This concept of abundance isn't about money. It isn't about things. It's about the cozy inner feeling I have from being at peace with the world. And it's something that we were born with, and it's something we get to rediscover. We're all on our own hero's journey. We're all the stars in our own action-adventure movie. You know, when does the character wake up and take responsibility for their thoughts and feelings? When do we make the effort to practice gratitude? When do we start looking for what's right in the world because there is un uncountable, unfathomable things that are right in the world right now? They're there. There's beauty right outside the door. There's beauty in here right now. It's an honor for me to talk about these things because they're important to me. This is a way of living my life that brings me real peace and real meaning and a sense of certainty. When we take our last exhalation, when our body ceases to breathe, we don't take anything with us. What we have are the connections, the experiences that we had in this lifetime. Our worthiness is not subject to our credit score, our retirement account. It's not subject to the house we live in or the car we drive. Our worthiness comes from the inside out. It is a birthright we were born with that we get to rediscover. And we're worthy of nothing less than that. These are truths that we get caught up in and forget, but they're also truths we're free to remember at any time. And that's all I got to say right now. <laughs> I mean, I could go on, but... Thank you.